Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 148 of the Pika Serenity Podcast. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Emerson, and joining me, we have my co-host, Anomaly. Hello. And this week, uh, we are going to be talking a little bit about some new tool stuff, like outside the game. Uh there's been pretty significant updates to uh, WoW Analyzer, especially for Mistweaver monks recently. Mm-hmm. So we're going to look at that. Uh, there have also been uh, nerfs to Razageth that came out after our previous podcast, but have been live since Tuesday. Uh, that we're going to talk a little bit about when we talk about our progression. MDI was started this weekend. Yeah. And uh, just, you know, other grab bag stuff. Yeah. Oh, I guess I I shouldn't forget Miss Weaver buffs again. Yes, more Miss Weaver. It's P- on PTR on PTR on PTR. Yes, on PTR. Yes, yes. Yeah. more buffs incoming. So yeah, gonna be a good week. Gonna be a good week. Uh, so cool. Let's jump right into it. Um, I know. How is Razageth progressing on? Oh, it was short this week. Actually, I'll say uh, we oh. elected we elected to reclear. Actually, okay. Um. And I think it primarily because we had a couple of DPS players that could use a couple of key items and um, uh, a couple of grief, tor- grief torches, maybe. Yeah, grief torches and, and a couple other things. So I, I think our raid lead thinks our item level is just slightly too low or not slightly too low, but still well, a little bit low. Yeah. So there's um, also grief torch is just kind of ridiculous for yeah. specifically the blue side in the intermission on Razageth. Um, there's really not much you can replace it with. Like the thing you can kind of get away with replacing it with is the evoker staff, especially if you have a devastation evoker. Mm -hmm. Um, because so the, the kind of meta strat for it, for people that aren't familiar with the fight, there's a new ad on each of the intermission one platforms on mythic, uh, frost side, it does a healing absorb that it casts after about 10 seconds. Um, and so the meta strat is that you spawn it, you send a whole lot of like grief torches and evoker staffs, things like that, into it, and you kill it before it casts yeah. on the on one of them. Like you heal through the first healing absorb, you heal through the third healing absorb, but then the second one, your your goal is to skip it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you need things that kill it, like do a huge amount of damage in under you know eight seconds, and the list of things that that do that is not very long. Grief torch is very one. short. It's very short. Yeah. So so we ended up we ended up reclearing. Um, yeah, primarily for for a couple more grief torches and just in general, I think a couple handful of items that people could use. And um, that took unfortunately took all of our Tuesday raid. Yeah. Uh, we and what I think uh, honestly the only two fights that we got hung up on were Dathia and Diurna. I think yeah. Dathia ended up being about an hour, uh, hour and a half-ish sort of pulling. Um, we had a slightly different comp in, um, but it's just, yeah, just a lot of wipes, just to the mechanics. I think, honest to God, that 21 pull, like, first kill we had, which we fluked out of, like, just literally everybody played perfect for, like, 10 minutes or yeah. whatever, however long that fight is and, like, killed it. So, um, the, so I always, if you... Spend a lot of pulls on the boss. I always feel like it's easier to reclear because what mm-hmm. happens when you send a lot of pulls into a boss is that you get to experience all of the different 
edge cases that just like ruin your day. Oh yeah. But if you do really well and you kill it in few pulls, um, you maybe don't get to see some of those edge cases because you just like didn't have it happen. Yeah, um, exactly. that happened to us on our Kurog. Uh, like we killed it fairly quickly. It was like forty-four poles, okay. um, and then went back and spent another twenty poles on it the next week when we were reclearing. And it was just other things had happened that we hadn't had happened previously, basically. Yeah. Um, and we just had to learn how to deal with them because we didn't learn how to deal with them when we were initially progressing the boss. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was definitely our experience on Dathia. Um, and, uh, and so it took us a while to, to sort of get the, the reclear done. And then, um, so by the time we got to Razagath, we got them, you know, we didn't get to Razagath till Thursday. Um, so we got about four, like three and a half, four hours on Razagath, um, from a progression perspective. And it went okay. We've, we've basically cleaned up P1 now that we're fairly consistent in terms of like pushing. Um, we'll lose like every probably like, Unfortunately, still like probably like five to seven pulls. We'll lose someone early to like some random damage yeah. that um, we don't expect. So, um, so yeah. So there was there was that. Um, but no, we we've pushed in the intermission. We've gotten the first set of ads down. At least I'm I'm on blue side. So on blue side, and then we're we're struggling with that still that second blue ad in terms of like killing it before the shields go out. Yeah. Um, and so we're yeah. we're sort of at that point of our progression. It's. It's definitely a little bit slower, I'd say. Um, it's, it's very funny, like, front loaded. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of like. I feel like once we get past this intermission consistently, like P two and P three are are very similar to heroic. So like, there's not much. I think there, I mean there's a what there's a third ad on the second intermission right. that you have to deal with. But I mean, other than that, I think the actual mechanics are fairly similar. Um, and so it's really just learning the new amount of damage that goes out from a healer point of view for those. But, um, but yeah, I mean, progression is progression. It's just slow. I'm in actually now our priest. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. Our priest has to sit, um, just for personal, uh, just for personal reasons. So, um, yeah, no, he, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm in the final comp, I guess it'll kill it. It's just, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a slog I'll say. And I, I'll be honest with you. Didn't feel the nerfs, like the wind nerf didn't feel that at all. Like still, like seems just as powerful so. it's it's very very slight um basically what we've been able to tell is if you do the thing where you pull the boss to the very edge of the platform more classes can now just make it on the first three wins with just a roar gotcha you are massively out of position especially for the sparks that happened on the second set um but you can live it. So it's like, on the one hand, you can live it now. More classes can do that. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you're going to die because the sparks are, you know, all over the place or you have nothing left to get out of the lightning breath that's going off. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's we're still doing exactly what we did before the nerfs and yeah. not changing anything about it. Um, there's other nerfs that actually are relevant to the intermission, which we should probably talk about because they are relevant to what I was oh, going to yeah. bring up. Um, so aside from there were nerfs to it on uh, to Hurricane Wings on Mythic, um, there 
has been a nerf to the fireside extra ad, the Flame Sword Herald. Um, that got nerfed from being forty five percent of its health as a shield to sorry to forty five percent from fifty five percent. So the this ad had a channel. You needed to kick it before the channel ended. The shield prevents the channel from ending. This is just like you know the first boss of um, well, similar to the first boss of Ruby Life Pools, where you got to break the shield then you can kick the cast. That's all this is, um, and it wipes the whole raid if you don't. So this is just a nerf to that. It makes it slightly easier. Uh, they nerfed the uh, healing absorb on the blue side by twenty percent. Uh, they nerfed the Stormseeker Acolytes, which are the caster adds, the mages, on the first intermission. So when they hit 50% health, they get a haste buff. That haste buff was 300%, and yeah. they nerfed it to 150%. And what it, it meant is before you could not actually really get a kickoff after they hit 50%. Mm-hmm. Now you can. It's like it's a short cast now. It goes from like two and a half seconds to like, you know, one second. Um, but that's a lot different from it going to like a a quarter or a half a second. Yeah. Um, and then they nerfed for phase two and phase three, Tempest Wing, periodic damage. This is while you're trying to run through the uh the edge of the circle. Um, the damage that you take while you're pushing through that. Uh, so it's just kind of a 20% nerf to that ability. There's also some heroic nerfs. Um, so health reduced by 5% on heroic. They also get the Tempest Swing nerf. There's also a Volatile Current damage nerf. So this is the damage from the sparks spawning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then reduced the rate at which the Vault Integrity drains during the intermission Primalist Strike on heroic difficulty. And I'm not entirely sure what the implication of that is. I think it's. I think it means you get more. You could, if you push quicker, get more time in P two, which means you have less time in P three. Yeah. Um. But I we always ever pushed at fifty energy. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It, it stops at fifty energy, right? The countdown, regardless of what's alive on the platform. So maybe it's actually. Um, maybe it means if you're slow on that intermission, you yeah. don't get even less. Like it maybe that's what it is like if you're slow in the intermission um you don't get screwed as hard with less phase two time that's true that's true because that's the trigger for phase two ending is the the energy on the um on the vault integrity running out yeah um yeah so one thing that i wanted to kind of bring up uh for since we're talking about intermission i guess we are also uh we spent friday doing Resigeth, um and had to last second swap out one of our blue side players who is one of our high eye level grief torches oh, okay. or someone that not only doesn't have a grief torch but also doesn't have burst damage <laughs> a, that's not good a, a bm hunter not known oh, nice. for their single target burst no um, but uh, we actually got to see a lot of phase two. We have made it all the way through phase two, actually, uh, oh, awesome. with like two people alive. But we made it through phase two, um, and it is it is so similar to heroic. It is kind yeah. of unreal. The 
the big things are that um, the damage is just so much higher that some things that people would do, like spreading too hard, not being in range of healers, is pretty lethal in phase two. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then that just like sets you up for failure if you like are too far away and then you're coming in for the volatile current and you're just low and you get the two hits and you just die. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that we got to clean up in order to actually see the second intermission, which we're hopefully going to be doing tonight. Um, are you for sparks in that phase? You guys using set positions? Like I know I well, actually, that's a question. You guys use set positions for, for sparks in either yeah. P1 or P2. Yeah, we P2. have our, we use the same positions in P1 and P2. It's like gotcha. boss relative. So like, yeah. I'm on the head of the boss because I'm a tank. So I'm on the head of the boss in phase two as well. The person that stacks on me stacks on me in phase two as well as in phase one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have uh, roughly assigned positions for the shields and the Tempest Wings um, to avoid because both of those have like lethal cleave mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have assigned positions that are near your spark position because there's two different ones where you have to go um, from doing sparks to either doing tempest wing or doing storm surge shield Mm -hmm. so you need to be able to like very quickly get from your spark spot to your uh not your like phase two spot or whatever you want to call it uh without being without having people be clumped up like so it's just kind of giving people an assigned spot it's not super rigid but it, it does mean that like if two people go and they like are in conflict with each other, it's relatively easy for them to spread off of each other because there's not four people in the same yeah. spot. It's two yeah, like crowding, yeah. Or like yeah. melee likes to just stand on top of the same spot typically. So Yeah. 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 Um but tonight we have uh we have five grief torches. Nice. So we had four last week. One of our players got a heroic one out of their vault. Um, so that's nice. pretty big. Uh, and so we were going to be going into Friday with five. And then somebody had to be out. So we gotcha. still had four. So that was fine. But not five. And five is like a lot. So some of yeah. our raid time Friday was basically figuring out what we can move around to um, kill that uh, that blue ad before the shield goes off. Uh-huh. While also having enough overall damage in that intermission to actually complete it in time. Yeah. Because you could like just commit every single cooldown to that ad and like just send everything. But you also are on the timer for the overall phase. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't just send everything in. Yeah. Um, there is a strat um that with this nerf gets more viable. I know Might did this, Squishy was talking about it. Uh, but you can just not try and beat that shield. Okay. And just heal through it. I that seems so in, like I think that seems intense just in terms of the cooldowns needed because like we're sending like on the, we're three healing the blue side ourselves. We're sending like just so and we're healing off the first shield, but we're sending like a revival and um I think a communion from one of the evokers yeah. like, into that shield. And it's still like if you are if you have the bomb debuff on you, you have to hellstone or defensive or you're dead. Yeah. It's like we will not get you topped in time. We missed it a couple times. And yeah. I actually made it through the phase two. But that was people committing health stones and health potions kind of thing. Yeah. To that. So you can definitely do it. 
Um, mm-hmm. And that is a strategy, I think, because we have five grief torches um, and we moved like we moved a uh, rune of power to that ad set as well from our uh, arcane mage. So he's going to do mm-hmm. a bunch more damage there. Um, we should be totally fine. Like we shouldn't have any issues with it. Uh, yeah. But if you're not in the kind of five grief torch bucket, if you're in the two grief torches, zero evoker staffs bucket, then mm-hmm. maybe you think about that. Yeah. But the nerf does make it actually pretty reasonable to like, so what what happens typically if we miss it is our resto druid sends tranquility. Like there's, yeah. they're assigned it on the third one, they send it on the second one, and we just like try and live the third one with help. <laughs> yeah, do, any, do anything you come on the third one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of what we were doing. Um, we typically don't like, I think the one thing is like our guild is very, very clear like if we have to meet a dps check we basically only do that right like so yeah if we miss it it's like we don't like we don't have a backup in terms of a cooldown right now for that second phase or that second yeah. step but we also need to get there cleanly i mean we still lose people like i said like randomly or even the yeah. first ad yeah. so um yeah no i mean it's i'll say like i am i am enjoying as a final boss fight i am personally enjoying it more than i thought i would yeah. um even with all the phase one wipes i don't i think I think the dance you could call it, or just like the way the fight is progressing, is I'm. It's 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 fun. It's not bad. The bomb, yeah. the spark, like wins, all that sort of those mechanics sort of hasn't been too bad so far. We'll see. Let me talk to me next week when we probably are doing two full raid days <laughs> on Razigeth, and I want to like literally like yeah, just never log in again. But yeah, I don't. I I've liked it so far. One of the things that has been very nice about it from a like raid organization planning perspective mm-hmm. is that the timers are all fairly rigid like they're not fixed in the sense that like if you complete phase two or if you complete um phase one faster yeah. you know things shift and if you are faster in the intermission you can make the phase two timers be a little bit sooner and and like stuff like that but yeah. um what is consistent is the overlaps in particular and this is where something like stone legion generals was really miserable uh it wasn't necessarily that the timers changed it was that the timer changes could cause you to get new and extremely difficult ability orders like rapid fire back to back to back um but razageth you can't have that happen like you uh, if you break a storm surge shield early, for example, you just get extra time to do single target boss damage, and that's great. So, like, yeah. there's actually also re- like kind of a built-in reward for doing that mechanic faster and better. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some hard overlaps, but they're all like we can we can look through logs and know what they are. Yeah, and, and, and for them, and know they're always going to happen, and not have to be like, well we probably only get like this spark wing combo once, but there's a small chance that we get it the second time. And if we get it the second time, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, I, like, I think most of the ball, like Razageth is really good about that in terms of like, yeah, the overlaps are always consistent. Like the, you know, in the first intermission, there's always the consistent like shield on the blue side with bombs out on two players. Like that, that'll always happen. So, you yeah. know, going in, like if a player has bomb they're they're about to get a shield and that's deadly. But even like Diarna had the weird, I don't know if you saw this, but there's a weird um, ability queue like late in P2 where it's a wildfire. Typically it's like wildfire, wildfire. So you go back to back. But on this one, it's like wildfire, 
tank hit wildfire. So there's like a delay on the wired wildfires. I get a fight of the range. It's like, like the seven and a half or eight minute mark. Um, I think we always had it go wildfire, tank hit wildfire. So I didn't realize there was like a, a chance for it to cue the double wildfire instead. No, there isn't. So that's what I mean. It's oh, like it's okay, always yeah. consistently that way, which yeah. is like different than any other wildfire application, right? So like yeah. we had the like it was nice that it was always that way and we never had the plan for like the double wildfire. It was always like wildfire, you have a break, then don't collapse right away because another wildfire is coming, basically. Yeah. Um so yeah, they've been they've been decent about that, I'll say. Um in that regard. So even I well, I guess I was gonna say Kurok's like that, but there is some like ad the shenanigans you can do. Stupid ad shenanigans. Yeah, yeah, where yeah. you can offset it at different. The offsets can be different. So bad example. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kurok's no, the exception this tier, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but Everything no progression has been pretty oh, consistent. Sorry. Yeah, with that. Um, but yeah, it sounds like I mean, pressure going well. You're already getting all the way through P2 is really good. So hopefully yeah, we'll hit that it's point. Just like. It's so similar to Heroic. I, I feel like people kind of already know what to do. The big thing big thing is knowing your phase two positions, like where you're supposed to stand. Um, mm -hmm. And then also uh, doing inversion. You have three seconds to do that move. That's quick, yeah. And you just got to go. Like yeah. it's really easy if you're on the outside moving to the center pile because you just like W key into the center and you're fine. Um the harder one is if you're in the center pile need to go outside and what we ended up with is basically you just go immediately and once you're like clear of the center pile you can kind of navigate to one of the outside ones if you already have one in sight and you just go there that's great yeah um, and that does make it easier to make it through the shield because you get more uptime but priority number one is not killing 10 people because you were a little bit slow moving out of the center pile exactly yeah just move first and then then stack yeah. don't try and get directly to the stack yeah 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 that's fair that's fair um but yeah no yeah it's uh it's been been a good week of progression the reclear was nice i honestly think we'll probably reclear one more time at this point and and really just for the skip just have the skip in hand uh, but we'll we'll see what happens so um well, cool. I guess maybe we can we can talk a little bit about stuff that has happened over the past week, um, and we'll talk maybe a little bit about some non-WoW specific stuff to start with, because I think we're all Blizzard fans here, and then maybe maybe not Blizzard fans, but we follow the company. Um, so yeah. So first up is there was a huge data drop around Diablo Four. Um, so they basically wiz uh, Wizard. I was going to say Blizzard has uh, announced the Diablo Four open beta dates. Um, so coming up here in March, um, they will have an open beta the weekend of the 24th through the 26th. But if you pre-purchase the game, which I honestly, we won't get into that debate, but if you do pre-purchase the game, you have a second, uh, weekend date of the 17th through the 19th for open beta. Uh, an open beta basically gives you, um, all of act one, um, one of the zones called fractured peaks, and you can level up to level 25. Um, so basically it seems like it's very similar to, uh, the press event that happened, um, a couple months ago, um, similar, uh, ability from a progress perspective and similar zones available. So, um, yeah. And content. So this is good. We're getting close. I'm excited about Diablo four. I huge fan of just ARPGs in general. Um, and so Diablo is like sort of like the comfort food for me. There's a new yeah. season of Diablo three coming. Um, with the, probably the biggest seasonal update ever. It's like 
a yeah. joke with my friends, but it sounds like they, you know, the one intern that had been doing seasonal stuff for Diablo three got some super support and they have like most of the team on it now. Um, but yeah, the new Diablo three season looks pretty good. That starts yeah. next Friday. So, um, I've been kind of feeling the urge to play some, some like Diablo style path of exile style, uh, games recently and been putting it off because Diablo four is soon the new D three season is soon. Mm-hmm. POE has never really been, I don't know, it just feels janky, and it's never yeah. really, yeah. But uh, looking forward to this, uh, probably will not be playing the early access weekends, but I am thinking I'm going to uh, go screw around in the new D3 season. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for next Friday, because the new season, I mean, I know this isn't a Diablo podcast, but um, the new D3 season is, it launches with, or has probably the biggest seasonal update ever that they ever did, and like, the tw- this is season 28, I think this yeah. is probably the largest seasonal change I've ever made. So, yeah, um, the, yeah it's, the new system is very, it's um, just as a quick aside, it's like basically like a progression system, similar to like dragon riding in terms of like you get talents, essentially or points in a yeah. tree um, that sort of buff your characters across. The, I think it's across all your characters. So it's not character specific either. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so that's a, it's a really, really cool change. So yeah. Um, and uh and yeah it'll be it'll be fun so i'm excited about that and then diablo 4 i am an idiot and i think i pre-purchased diablo 4 so i don't know if i'm gonna play the week of the 17th but i'll probably play one of those two open beta weekends um to uh to check it out we'll see yeah we'll see um well cool diablo 4 news awesome diablo 3 next week that'll be fun um so cool so then next up is um maybe not the the brightest of news um but uh, Blizzard had an all hands this week. If you're not familiar with an all hands meeting is, it's a big it's a meeting where basically all the company executives talk to you about big ticket items or issues with the company. And so there was a couple of things on the docket um, that were in this meeting. And Mike Yabara, sort of the overall Blizzard president, sort of gave a bunch of answers to it. Um, they talked about sort of the stack ranking of employees. Um, there's a huge issue. I guess not a huge issue, but Blizzard also released this week a huge return to office mandate. Um, I think starting this summer, um, they're basically requiring people to, you know, be in the office at least a couple days a week. I don't know if it's every day, but I think it was like three days a week. Which means um, that you do have to, no matter where you are, that means you have to relocate to be yep. within like commute distance of Blizzard offices. Yeah, which means the people who are hired under remote work unless I think they do have exceptions for remote work. They mentioned at least Blizzard PR put out something after this report came out. Um, there are exceptions for remote work, but to be fair, if you don't have one of those exceptions, you're right. You're, you're relocating to Southern California. So, and there were, um, at least some cases where people had like verbal, like, yeah, there's going to be work from home permanent, you know, going forward that was not written into their contract. Yeah. Um, from different places that I've heard on the Twitter sphere, and so that's like, I mean, that, that would, be, that's, that that's would be, bad. Yeah. yeah. It's a, I mean, I think it's, it sucks on both ends if you think about it, right? Like it sucks on the employees end cause they like verbally got it. Um, and you know, they thought they were good, but then on the same type from a company standpoint, like they also have this mandate that like, if it's not written down in a contract somewhere, it's tough to enforce. So, yeah. Um, yeah. On the other hand, they could just not have a return to office mandate because it's fucking stupid. <laughs> like, I'm not yeah. gonna mince words about that. Yeah. It's it's stupid. It's yeah. just really dumb. 
yeah, I think I think with the amount of collaboration tools that are out there across the board with like your your Slack like things or Teams, if you're a Microsoft person, like video conferencing, um, all the different collaboration tools that like design, even design tools that are collaborative now. Like you have what is it? Figma. Um, Figma, and like there's another one. I think we get to the M, like Ment, not Menti. That's the survey thing. Um, but there's like yeah, there, there's all different kinds of like collab stuff that you can do that. Like basically give you the ability to have a video person and a whiteboard in your office, right? And like you can, everybody can draw on the whiteboard together. Everybody can see each other. So yeah, I mean, I, it's a it's a tough, yeah, the return to office stuff, I think in general is probably, we could talk for hours about that. But yeah, this situation sucks yeah. for people who weren't planning on um, ever going, you know, into an office, right? Um, or had joined Blizzard from a rope, remote perspective or promised right. to be remote and now are being essentially forced to move or get fired right so yeah um, yeah i yeah it's not <laughs> a pleasant situation i'm sure for them to be in uh there's yeah. also a couple of really um awkward gaffes from yabara in this yeah uh, my favorite one uh according to several sources yabara stated something to the effect of if you think that executives are making a lot of money and you aren't. You're living in a myth, which is hilarious. That's just uh, not because if you've seen executive compensation, oh, once you hit the C level, you're like ten x what a regular yeah. employee makes easily. Partic- particularly when you also have like Blizzard QA position job postings, where like yeah. it's like fifteen dollars, like fifteen to twenty dollars is like the pay range. Where it's like that's literally yeah. Um, that's poverty wages in California. Yeah. In Southern California, that's poverty wages. Yeah, Especially so. if you like if you have to if you have to be able to commute to the office, that means you have to be able to get to Irvine, you know, every day. In a reasonable amount of time too. In a reasonable amount of time. Like that's a really expensive area. Yeah. So not the best I mean, I think Blizzard's under a microscope anyway, but yeah, this doesn't help their cause. So, I mean, it sucks. I, don't, I think there's a bunch of discontent from the employees based on this. We'll see how Blizzard responds internally to this, but yeah. Um, and so slight, slight addendum to what the quote that I had. Uh, Bruce Depp is correct in chat. He said that was within the context of the profit bonuses, which are the same. Uh, there's a, like a profit sharing uh, bonus that everybody gets that's the same percentage um but uh the total compensation package of an executive like they could lose the profit share and never feel it versus like you know that profit share is a very uh sizable bonus uh i mean by the numbers, I don't actually know what the actual dollar value of it is, but like the numbers that we see for all, that are on my head, it looks like it would be a fairly substantial bonus for anybody right. that's not, you know, making the executive level of base competi- base compensation. Yeah. So it's a little yeah. apples to oranges, even if it's the same like percentage. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and that I mean, it's always like just in general, like profit sharing stuff is always tough when you as an employee, see like what your earnings report is. And then you also get told like, oh, we didn't hit our target. So like your, our profit sharing, like fund is lower this year. Um, Cause I think they mentioned like blizzards at like 56% or something was all it was funded. So 
which we don't know the actual total amount, but like they only right. get, they only get half the amount of money that they were originally promised, not promised, but sort of originally set aside for profit sharing. So yeah, it's always tough when you see that. Um, even like in my job, like I get a bonus every year based on this. And it's always, it's always funny to me that like, they're always excited. Like we, we, we a hundred percent, our profit sharing, you know, fund is fully funded. And I'm like, I look at our earnings and like, we made like hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. And I'm like, you, of course you can fill up this fund. That's not even that, like not even yeah. like half of that or a quarter of that. So yeah. Yeah. In any event, I mean, in general, sort of just a, another sort of maybe black mark on Blizzard in terms of the way they're in, in this, in this case, it's how they're internally handling some of these conversations and issues. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I feel like, yeah, it's, I, I feel bad on both sides for like the employees themselves. And like, also probably for Mike, just because he, uh, yeah, like he, <laughs> he, he messed up in terms of his wording. So he's going to catch a bunch yeah. of heat for this. And it's just like, I don't yeah. you feel kind of bad for, for people you've met and, and talked to. So in yeah. that regard, um, yeah. But yeah, sucks. The remote work stuff is just, well, I'll never understand forcing people to go back to an office and I'll never go like my office is like right over there for my real job. <laughs> so yeah. like, I'll never go back to the office. I've sure. worked like uh fully remote, like no office period jobs for a while now. And like, just, I, I will never take a job again where I have to work in an office. There is no yeah. shot there. I will say as a parent, it, Maybe there'll come a day where I'm like, I just want to be away from my kids for a couple hours. And I use the <laughs> office to do that. But like, yeah, that's not really a real reason to want to go to the office. So, yeah, I mean, you can um, go to a library for that or a coffee that's shop true. or something. Because I've done that before where I like need to get out of the apartment back when I was uh, rooming with people and they were being noisy and I just need to get out of the apartment, you know. Yeah. Go, go to the local Starbucks, sit outside in the like nice weather and put on some very loud music in my headphones and just like get work done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's always an option too. So, um, so cool. Yeah, it's not, not a great situation at Blizzard so far for a lot of the a lot of the employees. So we'll see how we'll see how we'll see what comes out of this over the next couple of weeks. Um, maybe in happier news, we'll say, or maybe more exciting news. Uh, it's MDI weekend. Um, so MDI kicked off Group A. There's again, there's I think the new structure. There's like three groups, right? Um, with the top two teams yeah. from each group going into grand finals. Then I think there's some play-in match at the end. Um, but MDI, Group A, first group of the of the MDI this year, kicking off. Um, and uh, it's been interesting. Um, I've watched a little bit of it, not too much. I did catch the brackets late last night. Uh, Echo not dropping a match yet or map yet. Um, no surprise. Yeah. Um, so they're crushing. I think they actually just 2-0'd the team they were playing. And um, so they've you know, punch their ticket into finals um, based on the way the bracket works. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, MDI is going on. So lots of, you know, probably tons of different, you know, comps, right? Like there's tons of different tanks being played, tons of different healers being played. They have um, actually, I think there's been every tank played except for um, Vengeance and Guardian Druid. Oh, but I have, okay. I don't quote me on that. I know there has been at least one Brewmaster. Nice. I have not been actively watching, but I did. I did hear about that. Uh, some people were questioning some talent choices, and like I, yeah, you're I, like, I don't like, know. I don't know. <laughs> I um, love that, by the way. <laughs> and um, I know that there's already been some leaking of MDI strats into the pug scene because uh, some of the people in my guild yesterday were complaining about. Um, 
in Halls of Valor, there's a tech that they did where they had people stand, they had their range to stand on a rock so that the wolves couldn't jump to them. Because if you, if there's no path available, the wolves don't actually jump ever. Mm-hmm. And um, that just makes them essentially free count. If you can get them grouped up and get them in a position where they will always try to and then fail to jump to those people. There's an easier spot for doing smaller wolf pulls which is the different bridges have like the railings and you just go stand Mm -hmm. on the railing and the same thing happens but you it's not in the position to be able to like pull the whole like all the wolves which is what Mm -hmm. you would do for an mdi kind of route uh so there's a rock that people found that did it and getting it right is apparently like a little bit of of a pain and so the, the guy in my guild was complaining that like we're not actually doing the thing where we pull all of the wolves. So like why are we trying to do this like rock <laughs> instead of just getting on the stupid railing? Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's like I that's the MDI season always best in terms of like, yeah, when stuff like this pops up. Or the I love the talent choice question too, because it's like yeah. you like I have no like we when Miss Weaver was getting run a little bit. Um, a couple seasons ago, we got a similar question of like, why is JB playing these talents? Or like, why is, you know, I guess it would have been Zalia, right? Playing these talents. And I'm like, I have no, like, talk to Zalia. Number one, he's yeah. way better at the game than I am. And like, number two, like, probably something very specific based on their route or like based on their comp is like a team that they're running this way. So, yeah. yeah it's, um, I, from what I heard, it sounded like they actually just took a, like, a, boilerplate mythic plus build off of like wow there's something which is pretty funny nice. but also like not far off from what people actually play on live for keys because those are maintained by like sinzu and and um Lerald and they keep them fairly up to date so yeah like i can't comment on the specifics but it does sound like they had something reasonable yeah that's funny yeah i mean i, I will say just on the healer front of MDI, i honestly haven't noticed anything other than evokers lately um I don't think I, I I haven't watched all of it, but every time I do tune in for you know 30, 40 minutes, um, there's it's always been evokers, and I just think that's yeah. hilarious. Let me what see. I know show? I know Warcraft Logs doesn't have anything about um, MDI. I wonder if Raider has stuff. It looks like they do. I'm looking for if they have like comps. classes played comps. Yeah, I don't see a convenient. Yeah, there's not a convenient way of showing it, I don't think. Yeah. On their MBI thing, so. Oh, I can okay, I can see something. So like if we look at round one, Echo versus Lucky Seven, you can see uh Echo playing uh Resto Shaman, which is getting played because of acid rain. So for an MDI kind of scenario where everybody's really on point, they're not taking extra damage, you don't have to do a ton of healing. Um, I mean you do have to do a ton of healing, but not like the insane amount that you had to do in a pug um then uh you get to just like do damage so acid rain is currently the best at that uh for rest of shamans uh and then shadow priest feral druid and holy death knight uh and so part of the reason that they're playing shadow priest and uh feral druid shadow priest brings vampiric embrace which helps your healer not have to heal kind of for free that you just push the button mm-hmm. um and what's the druid one called nature's vigil uh yes that sounds yeah. Like, no yeah 
That'll something like that. Sure. They, yeah. they have a cooldown like that. Um, I know like we assign it for raid because it's pretty good. Um, and uh, so you just have those and it means kind of your healer doesn't have to do as much healing and can do more damage because it doesn't cost very much in terms of GCDs for your DPS to push those buttons. Yeah. Um, so meanwhile, uh, Lucky7 playing Vengeance Demon Hunter, Destro Lock, Unholy DK, Feral Druid, and Resto Shaman. Nice. I'm actually curious. Like, so if we look at some of these later ones, there's a lot more protection warriors, a lot more preservation evokers. Um, where's the? I heard there was a brewmaster. I don't see it yet. Maybe. It wasn't today's stuff. I don't think I played it. Either. Oh, here we go. Legendary. Our res <laughs> reset to ease played brewmaster for it. Uh, and they did not win. Oh. Uh, but yeah, they did win their their losers bracket match against Apes Together Strong, which is a great name. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so there there've been there've been uh, that's at least three different tanks played, which is more than most MDIs. Yeah. So maybe no protection paladin yet. Uh, no, um, blood decay yet. Blood mm -hmm. decay, I'm not surprised because damage is such a priority, and blood decay is not like a really great AoE damage tank. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, and I think healer wise, I mean, I guess the shaman's been one of the the bright points, and then um, a lot of yeah, a lot of evokers. I thought there was some dispriest, but I don't know if in the actual finals here there's been a much. Yeah, there hasn't been any dispute. So it's literally just been two healers, like Shaman and and Shaman and specifically uh, Temple of Jade Serpent, um, which I'm wondering is just because of there's a Do lot of a smaller ads. What? Does Shaman have a curse to spell? Uh, yes, they do curse yeah. to spells. Yeah, that's probably the other part of it. Like, there's all those small Shaw, yes, but also uh, being able to dispel the curse from the Shaw touched Misweavers or whatever they're called. Yeah, that. Um, is pretty dangerous. So being able to to have the healer dispel that. Druids also have remove curse, so uh, that works as well. None of the other characters in those comps have the ability to remove curses, though. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, in interesting healer choices. The shaman, I think, is the big surprise, but I mean, the evoker, I think, was something that we we were expecting to see. Just yeah, always, always just just too strong. So yeah. Um, yeah, nothing. I mean, I don't know if you had seen anything in terms of like the the affixes being annoying. Um, I didn't. I didn't. I haven't heard much in the way of like them, at least on the broadcast, mentioning like the affixes um, or any combinations that are notoriously bad. So, yeah, I have not heard anything, um, but I think that kind of got drowned out by a couple of things. One of which was the whole situation in Algathar Academy. So there's a kind of a... When teams in the MDI do some, we'll call it clever routing, they have to get it cleared with the event organizers or risk it getting, you know, triggering a match reset, basically. Yeah. Um, one of the things that is always sus is 
pulling things that are supposed to be behind um, inaccessible walls, like a door that's supposed to remain closed until you kill a boss, you know, pulling things beyond that door. Mm -hmm. That's what was happening in Alcathar Academy, specifically pulling stuff in the upper area before Doragosa um, from the tree bosses area, like during the tree boss. Yeah. And um, so there was a lot of questions about whether that was supposed to trigger a match reset. And some people were saying they got it cleared and some people were confused to do like, because it's not normally. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I, I've caught bits and pieces of it, but I did hear about it. Uh, and yeah, it's uh, I feel like that's taken up a lot of the oxygen in the yeah. room around yeah. the MDI. Yeah, that's always, it's, yeah, you're right. That's a fine line because you basically, by asking the question, you basically alert everybody else, like all your competition to it, too. I don't even know if they do. Like, do do they get to ask in private of the event organizers? Like, hey, can we do this uh, route? I, I wonder, so they probably can, but I wonder if they're, as like a courtesy thing, it's like, well, this team asked this question about routing. Like, we, like, we should tell everybody, like, you're okay, like, more in the fact of like maybe it's not like the specific team call up, but like in the Agathar Academy perspective, it would have been nice to say, Yes, you can pull the mobs above the tree boss, like yeah. before you've cleared the rest of the plot, like the rest of the bosses, right? And they just yeah. make that general statement versus like calling out anything. Although that does tip everybody off to like, oh, is some team pulling that? Right. Yeah. Like, why would they say that without it? So yeah. yeah, I think they have to. I mean, as a maybe as a as a as a fairness move. You know, you have to say like, "Yep, you're allowed to do yeah. this." If the question's asked, so yeah. Um, but yeah, so, no, yeah. it's a, oh, sorry. It's a. I didn't really. I was just going to segue. So <laughs> that's fine. You can segue. <laughs> um, it's it's been an interesting weekend for that. Um, I am hopeful that we don't have too much more annoying stuff make its way from the MDI into the pug scene. Oh, like, there will be. I'm sure there will be. I had the greatest, like, smoothest Azure Vault run yesterday. I did a 20 Azure Vault in a pug and just, like, almost two-chested this in just a complete pug. Every, like, we didn't, we no, no wipes, almost no deaths. We had, like, somebody got, got hit by a, a, what's the, when the arcane rain in the room the Azure Blade is in that thing okay the, oh, okay. the swirlies on the floor yeah yeah, yeah yeah um but like other than that like no issues it was so smooth it was great and the worst thing would be having that like disrupted with like some ridiculous mdi tech that is completely yeah. unnecessary for us to just go in and smash a 20 yeah where it's like one person triggers the birds and then all the birds come down and that person vanishes. And then when you trigger it again, you can get all both bird spawns that then you can kill yeah. in like a big group. And it's like, great, that one person screws that up three times. And now we're like, like we've wasted yeah. five minutes of this key. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah no, yeah. That that stuff is is a definitely can be annoying. So um it's cool. I mean, staying maybe staying on the Mythic Plus uh idea for one more second before we move on to the ptr updates that we saw was we did get a question last week we didn't get a chance to get to from tazatel um and that question was basically um it, they asked like thoughts on some of the community's complaints and suggestions in terms of reworking some of the more annoying mythic plus affixes like explosives or sanguine to be more positive resource generation or damage up um and so 
I guess my initial thoughts is like I've never viewed like I've always viewed the seasonal affix as the positive and every other normal affix as a negative thing, right? In general. Cause like you never gain anything from any of the other like normal affixes like bolstering or you know, I guess they mentioned vol or explosives and sanguine, but even like volcanic doesn't give you a buff for whatever reason. Even the previous ones like necrotic before they necrotic's not a thing anymore, is it? No. Necrotic's not a thing anymore. Yeah. But even necrotic, they were all negative. So like I think in terms of design, Blizzard will always design the standard set of affixes to be negative and the seasonal affix to have some sort of positive component to it. Um, I think one of the things that kind of is at the core of this style of question is some of the affixes have like they interact with the rough edges of wow's gameplay or ui explosive in particular one of the ones that's been more annoying for me some of these pulls this season even in the regular dungeon you know you have a million nameplates and then you know like temple of jade serpent you have the little shawlings that spawn there's like you know 15 nameplates on your screen and then like five explosives spawn and you're trying to swap to them and kill them and it's just unpleasant and it's not like a a it is it's not like it's a hard thing for me to recognize that there are explosives and then i need to swap to them and kill them when we wipe because i actually can't click on the nameplate because of all the shawlings yeah and i can't tap you can't tap to explosives you can't tap target to them you can't use a target macro that's the kind of thing where I think the effects needs to change for sure. Um, and some of the other ones like um, Sanguine has rough edges when it comes to caster movement AI in particular. Um, yeah. Sometimes you kick a caster and they just stand there. And that is just the most frustrating thing, especially when it's like one of the big lieutenant casters and they like, uh, like the in no good offensive, uh, the first area, the Lancers. Um, they have their disrupting shout cast. You kick that, and they stand there for the rest of the duration of the cast. Before they move. Before they yeah. move. Um, so even if you are on top of that kick, like if you kill a mob and you're trying to move it, and they stop and they do their disrupting shout, um, they just regain forty five percent of their health. And yeah, that's just really frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. Like on the two that are called out an explosive and sanguine. Yeah, they they the explosive one in particular with nameplates is one that like it it's not only a targeting issue too, but it's also like a spawn rate issue. Where like I understand yeah. they want to make it you can't do big pulls, you'll see more explosives. But it, in some cases, like if you do like even if it's a normal pull, but there's like ten little mo like the like yeah. the little ads around the, the tree shot box, things. right? And the, the shot and things, the, yeah, all those need to just not trigger explosives. Or like they or don't put like trigger... a global cooldown on it, right? Like that, it, that yeah. the cooldown is like is maybe a linear increase in spawn rate depending on how many mobs you're engaged. That way, it's not a like all, every mob has their own independent time of casting it. It's more of like yeah. you have so like a linear a, increase. The way that it works is there's a background like tick rate that can spawn up explosives or can not spawn explosives. It's like quaking if you've got there's a weak or actually that I got from Legion. Yeah. That still works. Uh, still works. It's just the the quaking timer. It just shows a bar. The way it works is um that 
you get quaking and then like 18 seconds later you have a chance to get quaking again and then 18 seconds later you have a chance to get quaking again and then it resets and so there's something kind of like that for explosives where it's like there there's you know every like 15 seconds or something there's a chance for everything you're in combat with to spawn an explosive and so sometimes you get one and sometimes you get five and sometimes you get more than five and you're probably screwed because if you're fighting that many things that you got more than five you like just the ui will not let you do it and that is like i think the this season more than anything my biggest frustration with with the game almost is that nameplates like yeah just like the stacking behavior doesn't isn't usable i've been playing around with nameplates at at feet there's a setting in the game that's under advanced options you can well the advanced interface options add-on you can get to it um Mm -hmm. to make nameplates appear at things feet i've been playing around with that it's really weird to get used to Uh, yeah (laughs) Um, but it it does like what it does for a stacking option is it makes it so that they stack and they stack up the same way that they do um except that they're starting from the bottom of your screen instead of the top so you don't get this big pile at the top of your screen yeah 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 no yeah it's um yeah the that that interaction where like the ui sort of or ui just you know mechanics um sort of get in the way is annoying right like i think the other ones like bolstering or or things like that um raging are less of an issue because you can like they're in your control right as a player to like either you can trigger more your more bolstering stacks or you can dispel or you can be ready for raging mobs and target those ones so yeah i mean i don't know what they'll do i think i think they i think they can't just have like mob centric ones where like the mobs get buffed or something happens. Right. So I think they need to keep something like explosive around and something like sanguine. Um, it just, I agree. It's just, I think it's sometimes just annoying. Um, particularly like Ruby life pools has a lot of mobs that just cast, but do uninterruptible casts. So you can't kill anything on that mob. And like, you're doing a fairly yeah. large pull of small ads again. And it's just like, well, yeah. everything spawns sanguine and now you're, now you're in trouble. So, yeah. So, Bruce again in chat uh, says, my threat plates seem to be fine with prioritizing explosives showing up on top. That's actually just like a built-in game thing. Um, you effectively can't control nameplate stacking uh, during combat because of protected UI stuff. Uh, what does happen, though, is that if you have, to use the Shaolings again as an example, if you have little mobs like that, there are a bunch of them and they're moving around, the nameplates shifting constantly make it really difficult to like quickly grab the like you know you gotta target and kill five different things um yeah so like it's not that like it's necessarily hidden underneath them it's hidden in a pile of them and the pile is moving around you gotta try and click it and it's frustrating yeah you could also oh sorry like they could do this kind of like non-continuous entirely is continuous but they do big jumps from like where it'll be kind of at the top and then things will move around it'll jump to the bottom of the pile uh like vertically top to bottom of the, the pile and in place and it's really annoying so yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it, but then you're getting to like you're adding in add-ons into your game to like play the game for not play the game for you but to like support the game so and that's sort of another 
issue because I, I know in like Plater, there's some auto scripts that'll hide nameplates or yeah. other mobs. Like when there's an explosive out, it basically turns off at the every other nameplate but the explosive nameplate. That's um, a there's a weak order for that too, and there's yeah. a um, that's the kind of thing. So you can't control stacking, but you yeah, can so th- make the other nameplates hidden, which is the jankiest solution. <laughs> and maybe I don't know, but it's it's like a it's a general problem. Like yeah, explosives are an easy example because they literally just like kill you if they go off. Exactly. So there's a bunch of casters in these pulls, so they're also a problem um, that you know it can be difficult to pick out the caster in a big pile of nameplates. Exactly. Um, yeah. I I genuinely just think that they need to take a look at their nameplate positioning like algorithm mm-hmm. and make it so like they did a bunch of work over the past three expansions on their tab targeting algorithm and it feels really nice now you you hit tab and it it's pretty reliable at just targeting the thing you want it to target right um i feel like they need to do that but for nameplates make it like so it'll naturally just show the thing that you probably care about do less like sudden jerky movement of the nameplates around and things like that Mm-hmm. but uh that would probably yeah. break every nameplate add-on in the world if they tried to do that i agree I, I worth agree. the cost but god <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah but that's sort of i mean i guess in, in terms of actually answering the question i mean like i i, I don't think they'll ever do positive standard sets of fixes so like I, I agree that it's probably changing some of the ui or some of the other like in-game mechanics around the current affix set um you know for the more problematic ones and then yeah i think the the positive any any sort of positive you get from an affix i think it will generally always be tied to the seasonal right whether that's in the thundering is like the damage buff stuff um in the yeah. past it's been like movement and things like that so um so yeah so um so that's that's uh that's mythic plus stuff um I guess we can talk a little bit about there's there was a couple of PTR updates. Um, so in 10.0.7 or sorry for 10.0.7 PTR, um, we got a couple of monk updates. Um, maybe we'll talk briefly about the Windwalker ones because I have a couple of things to talk about through the, the Mistweaver stuff because there was changes to both Mistweaver and Windwalker. Um, so Windwalker got um, a couple of buffs to essentially three key talents. So Inner Peace um, got a buff to its maximum energy it was increased to 30 so 30 more maximum energy when you take uh, inner piece along with a 10 percent buff to tiger palm um so definitely single target focused um and then rising star uh got a buff or is buffing rising sun kicks damage uh up um or sorry it's going down to three and six percent increased damage but you're getting six and twelve percent increased critical strike uh, on rising sun kick um which is good and then Bayline Harmony's damage and healing bonus is increased to 10% from 8%. Um, so a handful of Windwalker more f- single target focus buffs. Um, yeah. Which in general I think is a, a good thing for them. So since that was, yeah. The um, Inner Peace one is interesting because it basically, uh, we were actually talking about this before the show, where like energy is not necessarily. Um, a damage gain if you're not mm-hmm. limited by energy like energy cap is not a damage boost 
necessarily. It can be if it lets you pool energy to do other things and not waste energy. Mm-hmm. 10 yeah. energy is really not not very much. Uh, 30 energy is a lot more. It's 30% instead of 10%. Imagine that. Yeah. Um, math. Math. <laughs> uh, but the 10% Tiger Palm damage buff means that even if you don't get a ton of value from the increased energy cap, you do get at least for that talent point a little bit more tiger palm damage yeah yeah so yeah so i don't i don't think i don't think they've put out i don't think the windwalker team has put out like exactly what the increase is here it doesn't seem like it's going to be crazy high step first up in chat is telling me uh zero to one percent damage buff total if you play skyreach slash zuin's battle gear well so more small buffs but these are like three small buffs on top of other s- stuff coming from Woodwalkers mm-hmm. in 10.0.7. Um, not going to be any earth-shaking change, but, yeah. you know, more little buffs to Woodwalkers single target. That's nice. Yeah. Um, and then Mistweaver got some some crazy changes still, which is, I, I'm wondering if a developer is actually playing the class nowadays. Um <laughs> So I'll, I'll talk about maybe some, uh, there, there's a lot here. So it's sort of, um, it's uh, basically the biggest, so a couple things. So number one, with Shailun's lessons, or sh- sorry, Shaohao's lessons, which is the uh, choice note after Shailun's gift, which basically every time you cast Shailun's gift, you'll get a one of four buffs um, for a duration. Um, they've actually added in a tracking buff that shows you what your next lesson will be. So basically, you'll be able to tell oh. them what your next buff will be, which is good. And you can cycle them. Um, That's so, so good. Yeah. So you can basically set it up and basically, you know, make sure you get the right buff. Um, I think it's going to, you know, there's going to be a little bit of degeneracy around this. Um, I know but, you were talking uh, about in Storm Search being able to, with the lesson of doubt, yeah. being able to like solo heal a Storm Surge. Yeah, so um, it'll be very good to for like yeah, if there's specific damage events you're getting ready for, as long as you can time it correctly uh, and get the right buff at that point, I think it, it'll be very good. Um, so, so that in particular is one that for um, for Razageth, you have plenty of time. Like you could spend all of phase one and the first intermission setting yourself up to have that lesson of doubt for that mm-hmm. storm surge shield, and then just like solo heal it. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a very it's a nice quality of life change. So it's a little less randomness in terms of not knowing what you're going to get, but it does allow you to do some setup stuff, which is cool. Um, the other thing they changed is they actually changed Zen Pulse. Um, so Zen Pulse was an ability that you used to have to ca- you could only cast on a target that had enemies around it, and what it did was it basically did a burst of healing and damage depending on how many enemies were around your target. The problem with it though was the the targeting of players using macros. So and like how that worked and that it was very difficult because what what you would essentially have to do and, and this is sort of like i think the touch of death issue is that um you whenever you use a like a mouse over macro more often than not it would just cast it on yourself because oh. the way the checking would do is it would see that oh it's it's trying to cast a spell right away it doesn't know if your target has enemies around it or not but you still hit the button to cast it so just cast it on yourself right if you have an enemy near you or if you're in the pile right um, because it it wasn't, I don't think, it was updating the check to say, okay, is this castable yeah. on this target? Yes or no? And because it couldn't tell, it just defaults to no, and then it defaults to your self cast settings. Yeah, 
So thankfully you can't cast touch of death on yourself. Although exactly. that would be pretty funny. Exactly. So it's similar, I think, the idea of like touch of death not updating right, like immediately yeah. to when yeah. you can use it as you switch targets quickly. And like the the Zen pulse was similar. So they remove the target requirement. Uh, meaning the, or sorry, the enemy requirement. And you can still you can put it on anyone you want. They don't have to have an enemy around them. Um and they also fixed an issue that caused it not to function with mouse in-game mouse over settings. There was a weird macro workaround to do it, but it never really worked 100%. So the data mining for this has the damage effect removed as well. Is that real or is that a data mining like error? I believe it's a data mining error. They didn't say anything about the damage being removed. However, if it doesn't okay. require an, an enemy, it might be removing it. But the tooltip hasn't been updated to, to say that. So Right. Um, yeah, I expect, expect it may be either a data mining error or it's one of the effects that it tested for damage, and if it didn't do any damage, didn't let you cast it. And there's right. this there. I don't know all the effects on Zen Pulse, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so it's a pretty big change. Zen Pulse makes it just a little bit easier to use, um, or sorry, not a little bit easier to use, a little less janky to use, we'll say, uh, in yeah. terms of its targeting. Um, and then the biggest change is they've uh, essentially added a new effect to enveloping breath uh, talent. Um, which they've renamed to Empowered Celestial. Basically now, every time or anytime you trigger your Celestial, whether that's Yulan or Chi-Gi, um, you apply Chi Cocoon to five targets within 40 yards, absorbing damage for 10 seconds. Um, so basically, every time you hit your Celestial, five targets in within 40 yards will receive essentially a small uh, absorb-like shield um, called Chi Cocoon. So Currently, um, that scales off of your health. Correct. Ten percent yeah. of your health times your versatility, so not a huge shield, um, but it is something like that. Is very much like you can push it, and maybe some people just don't die because they had you know another ten percent health. Exactly. Yeah. It's very. It's sort of sort of what Blizzard has done in the past around like activating cooldowns, and if it doesn't do yeah. something right away you get sort of an instant buff with it and then you get into actually using it so like with both yulan and chi even after you hit it there's like a cast time on yulan and then there's like setup with chi to like um, right you know blackout kick into into enveloping mist so um it doesn't change enveloping breath is still a part of this so enveloping breath is still the same spell it was um it um it just adds this sort of now shield every time you activate your celestials um which is good I think this is a, a solid change to the ability, particularly in Mythic Plus. I think in raids, it's less of an issue, but in Mythic Plus, it's really big, particularly if you're using it as sort of like an, oh, no, something happened type button. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, some crazy changes on PTR. That's like, just add it to the list of like, you know, just buffs and like, I'll say, I mean, to be to be fair, this I'd consider a major change to like a talent or an ability. Um like to is a pretty pretty substantial one um yeah so 50 percent of somebody's health bar which is what this does as an instant heal yeah is not the world's biggest heal but getting it for free on a button you already liked is you know pretty nice exactly and like if you think about timing wise like Essentially, it makes sure that someone's not going to die to either incidental damage or, you know, a smaller hit within the next, um, like, GCD, basically. Because, like, yeah. anyone low as you hit GG, you're going to then follow up with a direct heal anyway that should get them higher and safer. So, like, it just sort of saves those 
we'll say more annoying instances of like hitting your cooldown and someone dying as you're casting on them or as you're about to save them. So right. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a solid quality of life change there. I know that when we are looking at stuff for Razageth, I I did mention we were looking at a healing component. I did mention like the the lessons of doubt thing, like how you could effectively solo heal storm surges with it. And they're like, so can you guarantee less of the doubt? I was like, no. Yeah. And their response was, so that's useless. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. like a, a parse strat. You hope you high roll into it. But making it deterministic is honestly like the bigger of all the changes talked about here. That's oh, the yeah. biggest one. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be it'll be fun to see. Like right now on PTR, you can just I don't. It's not a set cycle, so it's still random in terms of the next buff. Right. But you'll know what the next buff is. So you could technically cycle through a bunch of them fairly quickly um, at around a set time and then get the one you want and hold it until you need it for like the next ability. So, right, exactly. Like, so yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's very, very cool. Um, so yeah, so that's sort of the, the major PTR changes. I don't think there was anything for Brewmasters this week, but we continue yeah. to see Blizzard make fairly big changes to classes in a not dot like X release, right? This is a yeah. dot zero dot X. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, cool. Um, nice. Awesome. So final, I guess may, maybe mini topic, um, but I did want to bring up a couple of things that have changed in like the tool world, we'll say outside of WoW um, and two, I think big changes, right? And one's that it's funny, like the first one I think is more talked about, but the second one I think I like better. Um, so the first one is within um, within Warcraft logs, if you do any sort of um, filtering on top logs um, for like your class and on a specific boss, it basically shows you a talent heat map. And the idea being is that it shows you of those, I think it's only of the top 100 logs, right? Yeah. Um, for a yeah. boss, it'll show you what talents people have played uh, for that boss. It gives you percentages, which is honestly really cool to quickly see, okay, what is the what is like the general meta for uh talent specking right for this boss yeah. um and so yeah it's it's super and it's super clear um well okay not super clear i do have one thing that's sort of annoying about it but um it is, is it choice very notes? it's choice notes yeah i yeah. told i told argo like i so the only the only show i have so honestly awesome tool awesome little visual quickly see like exactly what people are playing it's right at the top too so you don't have to dive into any logs from this the only annoying part is choice notes and it's primarily because it it will always show you the icon of the most selected choice. Right. Even if it's, and it'll show if it's 100%. So unless you mouse over, your expectation is that 100% people have taken that that choice. Yeah. Which then when you mouse over, then you get to see the breakdown. So Right. So I have Brewmaster pulled up for Mythic Razaget here. And um, as an example of that, mm -hmm. uh, Bob and Weave shows as 100% taken. But if you mouse over it, you see that, that it's just a hundred percent of people pick the node, sixty percent of people pick Bob and Weave, forty percent of people pick um Black Ox Brew instead. Yeah. That's the only UI complaint I have is that it's at least initially wasn't clear to me. I immediately moused over and saw that you could see the difference between the two. So I hopefully yeah. people get that. But I just yeah. know like knowing what I know about doing software testing and like talking to users. Like yeah. People will just be like, okay, I'm taking Bob and Weave because that's like everyone takes it, right? Yeah. Um, which I guess it's still technically correct. It's still the majority. It's the most, yeah, it's still the majority. It's just that's a that's an actually really interesting example. I didn't think it was that close because most of the stuff I saw was more like 80-20 or like 90-10. Yeah. 
right, so like, like i'm looking like, at miss weaver stuff right now right and mm-hmm. almost all of these are actually like a hundred percent zero percent or you know here's 93 percent for jade bond uh seven percent for gift of the celestials yeah you know stuff like that but then like there's stuff like misrep 100 percent refreshing jade wind zero percent on on mythic res again right yeah um ancient teachings 100 percent clouded focus zero (laughs) percent yeah exactly exactly yeah i think for for some talent choices it's much uh much more clear but you know for others there could be a little bit of a thing but other than that honestly only complaint i think it's an awesome system like an awesome yeah Um, so i i was one of the people that helped like there were there were like three people primarily responsible for building the talent display on warcraft logs it's me zephyrus and esk um who zephyrus is a keystone guru guy esk is the mythic trap guy um so we went through a lot of different iterations of it and every way we thought of to try and display choice nodes has some flaw like you could show both percentages instead of the 100 percent um but then that's kind of noisy and hard to like tell um yeah like one of the things that people also want to see is like how often people are taking the choice node because that matters for pathing right mm-hmm. and if it says you know in that in that um choice node for brewmaster if it says 60 40 on the like main view it's hard to tell if people actually always take that node for pathing reasons as well or if they're just sometimes taking the node and sometimes picking other things so it can be hard to figure that out yeah. um yeah there's just uh and then if you show like the percentage of the one that is taken more often then when you mouse over and you see 60 40 it's a little bit confusing because the base one is 60 percent. is it 60 percent of 60 percent that take it or is it 60 percent? period right yeah so uh there's room for improvement on it i think but i don't know what the improvement would be we spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to best display this stuff and it it did come out fairly well i think the the like you must mouse over it to really understand the context is not the worst thing especially yeah. since like you said so often it is like a 90 10 split instead of a 60 yeah. 40 split um so yeah it's uh i'm i've been happy with uh how it turned out i actually have used the talent builds on ranking stuff a lot for uh alts where yeah. i am not as familiar with the talents that people are playing um and so i can just go and i can look at the rankings and see what people are doing um Mm -hmm. for different bosses and that's been pretty nice yeah gotcha that's awesome yeah no it's it's an awesome thing um i yeah i had i gave argo uh some some feedback on what i thought could be done probably never made it back to you but um yeah no it's other other, other than other than the choice note stuff it's not it's a it's honestly perfect. I, to be fair, actually, with the choice node, the solution you have, probably the best one um, that I could think of. But yeah, no, I love it. It's a super cool thing. So um, kudos to you guys. Um, the other tool update, and maybe we'll spend a little bit more time here, is that WoW, WoW Analyzer got a huge update um, to its Mistweaver module. And so this comes at the with, or sorry, from both Vor and Trevor. So if you guys, anyone's listening to this podcast, you want to say thank you them please do because a ton of work went into this and essentially what it did is it's utilizing i think the new wow analyzer structure of like 
I think you guys call it, call it the guide structure or, yeah. or guides, right? And basically it walks through in much more detail uh, than the statistics tab used to, uh, or not statistics, but the overview tab d- used to, much more detail in terms of a bunch of different like efficiency, you know, casting issues, things like that. Um, and it's a really, really amazing view of like, at least for Mistweaver, like specific things you can do better at. Like it shows you a breakdown of your renewing mist efficiency. It shows you a breakdown of like rising sun kick efficiency, like how often you've used it. Um, it shows you a great view of your Vivify casts uh, in terms of making sure you're using them at high renewing mist stacks. And like you can see exactly like which casts you screwed up at, right? And like the timing of that. Um, and then sort of you can go back through the log and understand it. Um, so yeah, the, I think it's a it's honestly a great yeah. The, oh, this is my log, isn't it? On the video, it is. Uh, your log, yeah, my Vivify cast absolutely generally terrible. As you can see, that's something I need to work on, you know, personally. Um, but it's a really cool like visual view of I can see okay, what time of the fight was I making bad casts, right? Um, right. And one of the things I like about this is you can see if you look, for example, at your rising sun kick cast efficiency. There's a big gap. Yep. Um, from 519 to 603, we're looking at Kurog Grim Totem. Um, and I know that that time period is around the end of one of the intermissions. And a common thing for those intermissions is to hold damage on the ad so that your CDs come back up for the main phase. Mm-hmm. So that could literally just be like you can see it here that it's like okay that's probably not actually a problem it's probably just you know holding damage in order to make the intermission last longer yep yeah yeah no, and so you uh, can make no comment on the vivifies though there's a lot of red there yeah no that's real bad <laughs> uh ooh, that's real bad um but no i think and this is just i think the next evolution of like the this like the checklist piece right like i remember implementing the checklist for misweaver like I guess what two or three years ago now, um, the yeah. first iteration of it. Um, more than that. More than really? that. Really? <laughs> oh, has it been longer than that? Oh, geez. We did that um, in Legion. Oh wow. Okay, yeah, that's real bad. That's real long ago. It was um, in it was in uh, Antores. Yeah. Gotcha. So I'm well off. But um, but I think this just the visuals now are so much better. I think than what we had. So I mean, number one, kudos to Vor and Trevor for putting all this together. And I think even I mean Emerson, kind of you too for. I'll be spearheading a lot of the the visual stuff that so, I put in. Sref actually, aka K Finch. I don't know. He, he his Discord name yeah. is both of them, and I never know which to use. Um, <laughs> did a lot of the groundwork for this uh, for Resto Druids. Actually, like I did a very like draft version for Brewmaster that has been since entirely replaced because it was yeah. not great. But then Sref came in and like ran with it, and. It, that really laid the groundwork of a lot of the UI elements that are now being used for the for the the wind the mistweaver one. There we go. Words are hard. Yeah. Um, as well as the other specs. So there's a lot of things like this healing cooldowns um, that you can use. Oh, yeah. There's like a, a timeline of your healing cooldowns with the actual cooldown on there, so you can see where there's room for you to maybe fit an extra cast in. And we can see actually in in your Kurog, there's not. You know, there's nowhere yeah. that you can fit an extra cast in of any of these spells. You're actually like casting, you know, invoke CG on cooldown. And there's, you know, you could in theory fit a fourth cast of revival in, but not if you cast revival at the time that's currently assigned. So, so things like that. And then like individual breakdowns, like there's a per cooldown usage checklist for CG 
So you can see, for example, on your first GG, you can see stuff like how many enveloping breaths you got per enveloping mist. Did you cast enough enveloping mists? Your mm-hmm. uptime of buffs that you used for it, um, all kinds of stuff. I know like a quarter of these words. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. but it's uh, it, the like per cast breakdown, I think, is really, really good for figuring out. Um, yeah. Like it's more useful, at least for me, when I look at this and I see a red X, it's easier for me to figure out what happened. If it's a red X that's attached to a single cooldown that I screwed up, rather than a red X that's attached to like, okay, there's secret infusion uptime uh-huh. on this. Maybe my overall secret infusion uptime was bad because of one bad cooldown use, or maybe it was bad because it was bad overall. And you can't, you couldn't tell that with the checklist. Um, exactly. But you can tell it with this because you have it on a, on a per, per cooldown basis. Yeah. And the other, the other nice too part about it is like within each of these, so like within GG, the left-hand side, all of those words basically are things you should be doing to maximize like hitting essentially green check marks on the right. Right. So yeah. there's still that concept of like the checklist was good in that it gave you a quick view of like, here are the things that you're not doing correctly, but in your, in your description overall across the fight, like yeah. you didn't use Chiji effectively across the fight. Well, that's awesome. But like, maybe it was like one of your usages was perfect and two yeah. of them were bad. So you got like, you know, you were bad in general. And now you can see in this breakdown, okay, my first one, awesome. Second and third one, not as good. Okay. How can I fix that? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. At the same time, on the left-hand side, it just tells you exactly how you can fix that. It's like, okay, I didn't hit enough, you know, enveloping miss or sorry, enveloping breath targets. My, ca- my targeting is bad then. I need to target more people who are grouped up and things like that. So there's, yeah, I mean, I think this is honestly like, um, like really, really cool, right? It's the idea, like this is sort of the same idea of, in my mind, like what Wipefest has done in terms of like breaking down overall encounter issues. And yeah. like, here's where you failed and here's where you could have done better. They're now, you now can do it on a per, like your own performance basis. Um, yeah. And for healers, like, yeah, I think it's huge in terms of like, and a lot of times healers can't do any pre-work. Like we can't look at cast sequences. Well, we can look at cast sequences, but like in DPS terms, there's a, there's like a set sequence that's always your best damage. And you use those set sequences at certain points of a fight, right? To get the most out of them. With a healer, it's a little bit more reactionary in terms of where and how people are taking damage. Right. Being able to react is big, and then being able to retroactively see with a view like this, I think, is huge to help you just get better at playing. Yeah, Miss Weaver, I know Miss Weaver has it. I guess you said Resto Druid has it. I don't know if any other healers have it, but Resto Druid has it. Disc Priest has it in progress. Um, cool. I know they've been doing a ton of work actually on cleaning up the atonement handling because some stuff, uh, there's the expiation talent for Disc Priest that has apparently been an enormous pain in the ass. Um, yeah. I re- so yeah, I remember the original when when Reglitch was working on that. The there was yeah, yeah. atonement, yeah. atonement, and Hots are just the worst, like the worst things to figure out in WoW. So yeah, it's uh, not not the most pleasant. Uh, Brewmaster, one of the tanks that has this. I don't think any. Uh, I think Vengeance Demon Hunter has this as well. Uh, Kurog is maybe a little bit of a bad example because mm-hmm. there's so many different spells on this. But you can see, like, there's shuffle breakdowns of, like, did you get hit by it? Which you might not, like, you might just be like, why would you show that? That doesn't make any sense. It's so free. But you would be shocked how many people come into peak and are like, why am I dying? And it's like, well, you're not casting blackout kick, so shuffle is dropping, right? Yeah. Because they just look at blackout kick and they don't realize, like, hey, this is, like, really core. You have to be pushing this all the time. 
Um, there's breakdowns of, of purifying brews. This is the, the tank and the other team in my guild. Um, mm-hmm. You know, how much you purified, how many of your purifying brew charges you used, um, specific points that your purify kind of sucked. So there's one that's shown here that is like they purified two and a half K damage, like literally two and a half K, not not 250K, two and a half K. Um, and then they took a huge hit, you know, one second later and didn't have a purifying brew to cover it. Yeah. Um, and some breakdowns of, you know, major cooldowns that were maybe not used, like their Celestia brew, they completely missed a cast. Uh, they have some usages of like fortifying brew they hit and it barely mitigated any damage, uh, things like that. And then rotation analysis that I actually need to do another pass on because the APL has been updated and I haven't done another pass on it. But they frequently skipped casting Keg Smash because they were too busy spamming Spinning Crane Kick. Way to go. Yeah. And Blackout Kick. Yeah. So, I mean, the the nice part, I I think the biggest part about this too is like it's very clear to see certain things. I think the other thing that people, and I always caveat this when I talk about any sort of automated tools like this, is that you have to understand how to apply this now, right? Like in your example, when you're saying, oh, I could have cast another revival on my thing, uh, in my one one log. It's like, that's probably true. But the other side of it is maybe my revival was needed at a certain point. Right. Like I didn't, I could like technically like why well, yes the tool is probably going to tell you you could have fit one more in the fact of the matter is you have cooldowns assigned to certain points in time right and you yeah. might take a, a less efficient approach to using them because you need them at certain points like i know that right i did that with um i think it was with sanarth i held an invoke like for an extra like 45 seconds just because yeah. i needed it at like that point in time and that's um, something that um the checklist I think did poorly because it would tell you, yeah. oh, you had 66% cast efficiency on revival. But now you have the bar there that you can see that shows when you actually could have used it. And it shows differently. You can't see it on the actual um, revival one, but it shows up for the Rising Sun Kick one. Yeah. The, the gray spaces on the bar are where you couldn't have fit an extra use in. So it's just delaying it. You didn't have a whole extra use you could have fit in there. The red spaces one are the red spaces are spaces you could fit an extra use without changing any of your other usages. Yeah. So that comes up more, I think, for some DPS. But um, you know, when you're learning to DPS and you you think like, oh, I'm gonna hold my cooldown for this big important thing, and you end up like you could have just cast it and then still had it back for the big important thing. Um yeah on the revival one here like it, once you're aware of that's how it shows up uh you can see there's no red bars on this it's all gray yeah. so there's nowhere that you could have fit it without in- impacting one of your other cooldown usages which is kind of nice for taking a look back and seeing like hey is it safe for me to send revival on this event and still have it back for my assignment yeah exactly yeah no it's um yeah I, uh I love. I really, I really like this stuff. I wish I, I wish I still was involved. Just you could be. Time, yeah, unfortunately, you timing. Time is the my time is my enemy. Um, but no, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a super cool tool. I, I just like to. I mean, shout outs to those guys because, I mean, like they've been putting in a ton of work. Yeah, like, it's and it's I not. Think... It's not easy, by the way. Like the, the, the biggest issue is funnily enough not knowing what to do. Like not knowing the statistics or like the analysis you want to do. 
it's actually getting that analysis out of logs like in a consistent manner because of just a, yeah the the log data particularly wild combat logs do some weird stuff like yeah. and things you wouldn't even think about like just a lot of weird things in terms of like not having events you think it should have like um the whole time re- timestamp issues are the big one uh, yeah well yeah because yeah timestamp issues because they're based on the lag to whoever's logging's client so like yeah you can get like certain events firing before other events, even though like the second event should go first in most cases, or like is yeah. the trigger for the for the fo- the following event. But in the log, yeah. it shows is happening after the original. So, yeah, I mean, it's there's a ton of like I'm assuming like I know that we wrote a whole there was a whole normalizer like basically function written to like normalize logs and like after you load them in. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's super like it's super like difficult in terms of just implementing some of this stuff. And it's awesome that they, they got a bunch of this work done. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's super cool. I'm actually planning after this podcast to go and get a little bit of highway work done. I am on vacation this coming week. Like nice. I'm doing, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just not working. Um, but I have one final Huawei thing that I want to get done before <laughs> I really start vacation. Yeah. Yeah so nice nice yeah awesome well cool i think that i think that's then everything for today i don't think there's any yeah. other topics i think i think that wraps it up uh if you enjoyed this podcast and you want to support it and the other work that we do over at the biggest randy you can do that over at our patreon at patreon.com slash and if you want to support wow analyzer Uh, There are two ways for you to do that. One, if you uh, know or are interested in learning to code, you can go and contribute. Uh, Go to github.com slash wowanalyzer and uh, you'll find everything you need there or come join the Wow Analyzer Discord, which is also linked from GitHub. Uh, Or you can contribute to the Wow Analyzer Patreon at patreon.com slash wowanalyzer, which helps fund uh, development. Uh, but that is going to be it for the show today. Thank you all for watching and or listening. And uh, we will see you next week, hopefully with some dead dragons. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> see ya. See ya.